Hello, you've found us again at Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. And we have a new setup here. We're hoping that the sound quality is better because each of us have our own microphones. We're technologically so advanced compared to where we were a month ago. We look so professional, you would not believe it. So we have a few topics that we're going to be discussing. One is your upcoming birthday. My birthday. My Which Medicare is in three birthday days. is coming. Yes, it's coming on Wednesday. Yes, and but, we can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, the topic of friendships at this time in our lives, how we go about making new friendships and how we take care of the ones that we already have. Also, Ivanka Trump and her whirlwind tour of the uh, G20 summit, as well as North Korea and the hashtag unwanted Ivanka. Oh, I know what that's about. Oh, you do? I okay. I see that clip. Okay, on good. YouTube. And Trump's accuser. E. Jean Carroll, who recently accused him of raping her in, I believe it was 1990. That's it for our subjects. Moving on, you have a birthday coming up. I do. I'm having my Medicare 65 birthday. Yeah. So what does it feel like? It's just weird. I'm so grateful that 65 doesn't feel either physically or mentally, spiritually, psychically like I thought it was going to feel. I thought you get to a certain point and you just sort of stop moving forward and kind of tread water. Yeah. And emotionally. Wait for the end. Yeah. Yeah. And you just you just hang on and enjoy it. And I don't play golf, so I can really not retire ever because <laughs> what would I do? But you know what I do want to do? I, I have a friend Nathan who's gonna help me. I'm gonna learn to play catch because I never learned that as a kid. Oh my goodness. And I can I cannot catch He's gonna reparent you. He's gonna reparent me in that way. That's fantastic. So that's, it's not really tied to turning 65 exactly, but it kind of, I just thought of it when we talked about, when I talked about playing golf. So yeah, I think I'm just excited that I feel like I'm still evolving and changing and growing and struggling in a good way. Yeah. And I still don't understand very much, or not as much as I would like about really what this whole human experience is about, but I've, I'm learning things. Well, I'm you're learning, living it. I'm living it and I'm learning a lot of Cool tricks and tips for living that have to do with maybe having things be in perspective, learning that some of the freakouts that I might be put myself through are about things that aren't worthy of that much energy uh -huh. and vice versa. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I think know. letting things go is one of the great luxuries of being mature. Yeah. And allowing a different perspective to come in. I mean, I, I think that my values have changed a lot since I was, say, in my 40s. Yeah. Yeah. I used to think that certain things were important. Right. And I realized that they're not. I had a lot of ambition. Right. And climbing up the corporate ladder was important to me. Right. And it's really not. Right. You know, one thing I've, all, I've wanted to learn for a long time and still well, kind of working on it is how do you care about and fight for a higher level of, say, social justice or economic justice, all those things, and at the same time, feel peaceful inside. That's that's one of my life lessons that I'm trying to learn. In other words, may, and maybe the answer is what you did. Maybe the answer is you take the actions you can yeah. and, and let them nurture you. Well, I will say that in the drives down to Orange County, I let go of the result. Mm. All I could do was be in the process right. of that sea of people who were going down doing exactly what I was doing. And right. God knows there were probably people who were Republicans knocking on doors trying to That's make true. sure that people voted Republican. Yeah. Yet for me, taking the action was 
the road to some kind of peace of mind. Now, that didn't work for everybody. Some people were extremely caught up in all of the Trump stuff and every little horrible thing that he did was cause for a new kind of upset and wringing of hands. But for me, just knowing that there was a system in place and that I could be a cog in that system. And even though it was a new system and right. it hadn't been tried before, right. at least not in, in this particular location, I was working with people who I believed in, who I knew were smart. And and you got to meet Jane Fonda. And I got to meet Jane Fonda, which was <laughs> the whole thing. And she knocked on doors. I mean, she, she can't anymore because she's just too inflammatory a figure. She's polarizing. She's polarizing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Although if you see her now, she's so far from Hannah yeah. and Jane, but yeah. people still remember that about her. Yep. It's interesting. She'll never out outlive that. She won't. She absolutely will not. So sort of swimming in that stream was what gave me some peace of mind. Mm -hmm. And I and I was able to let go of the ultimate outcome. Right. Because if I got caught up in that, I couldn't yep. go and do what I needed to do. Yep. I couldn't have had perspective on it. Right. And speaking to people, even people who had different points of view than I did, as long as they were respectful, mm -hmm. I found myself listening to them. That's I didn't great. find myself agreeing with them. Right. But I found myself listening. Right. And that was a lesson in and of itself. Yeah. It really was. So back to your birthday. Oh, here on <laughs> that topic. Yeah. I think I want to just kind of take a, a slight left turn and talk about the subject that we were thinking about talking about, which is friendships at our age. Oh, yeah. And friendships, making new friends mm -hmm. and sometimes finding old friends mm -hmm. or keeping friendships. Mm -hmm. I could talk about our friendship, which is so long lasting. It's right. you are the most long lasting friend that I've had. Right. And yet- That sounds better because it used to be at the party. You should always say that I was your oldest friend. I know. <laughs> I know. I've got to okay. stop saying that. Of all my phobias and <laughs> hangups, age isn't one of them. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. How excellent. But- I, I know that I've lost a lot of friends also just out of attrition, and that's right. not good. Right. I've found myself being honest about not being as good a friend as I could be in certain circumstances mm -hmm. and working on that. Mm -hmm. I, I'm curious because you have so many friends. I really feel like you know you, you have a full-time job. You tell stories all the time. You're in rehearsals for multiple things. And yet, I have, have a lot of hobbies. I don't know if I have a lot of friends, <laughs> <laughs> but I um, I don't think of myself as having a lot of friends. But really, if, but I don't stop to think about all the things I do. I you know so okay. So I sing with a chorus. There's 60 people in the chorus. I'm not the most gregarious. I'm certainly not Mr. Popularity in that group because I'm I'm a little shy in that group to tell you oh. the truth. So I t I talk a little bit to the people who sit next to me, and once in a while. A choir, a chorus member from another section, like a nice alto or a nice soprano, uh, we strike up a conversation, and suddenly it, that's nice. And I'll, but it, I wouldn't call them close friends, really. Right. So I'm around people a lot, which I guess I'm happy to admit that I, I don't even think about it. Um, you are, though. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So I'll tell you, there are people that I really love, you know, and some aren't aren't even close friends, but I just. I just think they're so cool. Yeah. And I just enjoy my interaction with them. And where do you find those people? Well, it could be in a 12-step group, or it could be in a rehearsal for a musical that I'm suddenly doing, uh -huh. to my own surprise, or it could
could be somebody involved with the storytelling world that I'm in. Oh, right. Um, could be someone at work, although that's happening less and less <laughs> frequently. But it could be there, too. Yeah. In fact, it, it happens there, too. Well, my, the truth. my experience of 12-step is that you build up quite a bit of intimacy in a short period of time because there are shortcuts that kind of slice through our defenses. And, right. And part of being in the process of recovery is revealing yourself mm -hmm. and other people revealing themselves at the same time. Right. My experience in general is it's a place where you can be, you can at least feel a lot less judged than you might in other arenas. Well, one of the first people that I met in a 12-step group told me something that I really value. She said, whatever other people think of you, it's none of your business. Yes, that's the first thing I heard when I, Was when it? I started. Was it? It's one of the first things I heard. Uh, started on that journey. Yeah. And I thought, well, this can't, that can't possibly be right. <laughs> That's what I heard. I thought, yeah. well, it can't possibly be right. My whole life has been dedicated. <laughs> to finding out what to, people think of you. Well, and to making sure that what they thought of me was something good. Okay. So what they thought of me was entirely my business. And it was my business to make sure that it was positive. So when I heard that, I thought, well, that sounds wrong. And yet, <laughs> if I believed it, I think my life would be a lot calmer. You know, so I liked the idea of it, but it took me many years to kind of evolve to actually believing it. Well, so many of those axioms that yeah. we, we learn take a They're lot of time posts. to bubble through. They're guideposts. Yeah. Yes, and, yeah. and it's like the water on top of the forest leaves mm -hmm. that has to sink down and down and down and down and mm -hmm. get into the water table. That's the way I feel about that whole thing is I learned, you learn so many things so quickly that make a lot of sense intellectually, but it takes a long time for them to percolate down to where they really can be right. meaningful right. In, in daily life and can be acted upon. So there's that. I have made friends with this political group, and it's interesting because I'm not going out with them to other activities. I mean, sometimes I do, but there's also a, a spin-off group that's my book club, and they're involved in the same thing. So I may socialize with people there, but the people in my political action group, it's just people who all think like me. It's so refreshing. Mm. You know, I mean, some are angrier than I am, some right. are more passive than I am. Right. But it's, it's a great place to be with people who are like-minded mm -hmm. and have the stamina to go out and do things like... There's a, there's a vigil this Friday for the detention centers. There's actually a detention center in Los Angeles downtown. I didn't know this. Oh, really? Yeah. And that they use for people coming across the border? Apparently so. Holy smokes. Yes. So there's a vigil for them on Friday. And if I didn't know these people, I wouldn't know about that. And I'm yeah. going to go. I don't go to absolutely everything that right. I could go to, but I go to the majority of them. And that is really just, it's reassuring that there are people who put their time and energy into doing good in the world. And in fact, the, the name of the group, the, the acronym is H-O-D-G, Hodge, hang out, do good. Hang out, so do good. So we might make lunches for homeless people right. and distribute them. Right. We write postcards to mm -hmm. people for various actions mm -hmm. in various places. But it's been great for me. I always like right. seeing these people and, you know, we're part of a yeah. bigger thing. I, what occurs to me, too, is that you're engaged in a, an act of service together. And yes. I think there's something about that kind of being that 
Yes. Being engaged in something that's positive to help others and just out of the goodness me. of your heart. Yeah. It's bigger than you. And I think it alters the way we interact with others. So I think maybe you get to be, I wouldn't say a better Ruth, but a different part of you gets to shine forth yes. and from all of them as well. Yes. Because you're engaged in something that's this a bit yeah. selfless. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's very selfless. Well, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know that all of it is that selfless. Well, I don't mean to make you Mother <laughs> Teresa, but I'm just saying, I think when you're engaged in an act of service, it changes the quality of the interaction. I, I think so. I mean, what happened with this group was we were all focused on the 2018 elections. Right. But then we found that we still had all of this energy and we wanted to put it somewhere. And, and God bless the woman who is sort of the focal point or the fulcrum of mm-hmm. this whole group who opens her house and writes newsletters and lets right. us all know what's going on. So we she all must be retired too. No, she's a writer. <laughs> oh my God. She's a writer with a real writer's job. Wow. But she's, uh, this is something that she feels very passionate about. And she was there, and the the need was there, and she stepped up to it. So she's very inspiring. Anyway, before I found this group, I had some despair about making new friends. Mm. Because I'm retired. I don't have a job. I do various things. I'm part of various organizations and whatnot. But I, I did feel that I was sort of treading water. And again, these people in this political unit aren't necessarily my most intimate friends but it's like cheers you know mm-hmm. you want to go where everybody knows, knows your, your name. name that's right yeah. and for other people it might be a bar who knows uh, yeah that's probably why a lot of people drink because <laughs> <laughs> they want people to know their names i guess some people drink to cut themselves <laughs> off from other people but some others maybe drink because of there's a sense of Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. That probably goes back to old times. Right. Well, I think that this is a particular issue as we age. It's important to really keep those friendships bright. Yes. And and invest in them. Right. But also, I think what you're doing is probably rare, which is you're taking care of opening yourself up to new friendships. It's not just just tending the existing ones. Yes. As important as that is. Well, I have a small group of friends. So I'm always interested in expanding that, but it isn't easy. And in Los Angeles, it just seems particularly difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I'm crazy, and I think that other cities like New York are easier to find people because they're just people all around all the time. Yeah. And uh, you live there for, I mean, you live there, and I didn't live there for very long, so you might have a different perspective on that. Yeah, I don't know. New York... Well, that's a whole different experience. Yeah. 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 And now, I don't know, now I think it's a little more about my other outside interests. But it's something to think about. I really haven't given it much thought. Huh. Uh, and, I, and I think it's easy to take friendships, existing ones, for granted. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, I think that we've done a good job with our friendship. Yeah. Yeah. And we've sort of nurtured it along. Right. And the fact that we're doing this podcast is kind well, of proof of that. And we love to talk. And we do love to talk. <laughs> And, we do. Yeah. And so, we have opinions. Yep. Yes, we do have opinions. Many of them are toxic and about myself. <laughs> but I still I would have not them. say that. I would not say that. I would say Mine, we're, I mean, we're both we're, seekers. Yes, that's we're both, true. We're both seeking. We, we seek the truth. That's right. In situations. I think we're open to growing. Yes. And I would encourage any one of our boomer friends to reach out and explore something that may have seemed scary in the thinking about it, but may have real benefits. Anyway, moving on to Ivanka. 
Ivanka and what the hell is up with her? I just found this hashtag called unwanted Ivanka. I just saw the the clip on YouTube and a little of this tweeting and commentary around it. This is about her insinuating herself into a conversation at the G20 summit. Oh, no, actually, that that is where it started. That was a viral Right. The unwanted Ivanka meme came out of someone from Crooked Media hashtagging her, and someone had photoshopped pictures of Ivanka between FDR and Winston Churchill, and there's Ivanka. Yes. Supporting her way into other conversations. Exactly, exactly. Oh, funny. I have to yes. look that up. And, oh, you do have to look it up. It's hysterical. They even have ones of her, like, you know, like the famous... Malta. She's at Malta. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, whatever. She's everywhere. She's talks. Zelig. Um, but there's the, you know, the Paris famous beam that, um, that where there, there are those workers and, and uh-huh. they're working on the Empire State Building. And oh, they're yeah. All sort of sitting on the screen. <laughs> there's Ivanka. Yes. Yes. Oh, funny. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's great. Um, and my it. question about Ivanka is are we sexist? For making fun of her. Not that she isn't deserving. If Eric or Donald Jr. had gone and done the same kind of ridiculous sort of oh. interjecting into conversations that were clearly over their heads, yeah. would we have the same kind of response? Would we be having an unwanted Donald Trump Jr. moment? Is it that she seems so vapid? Yeah, I think there's an element of that. I hate to admit it because I'm just, I find it so hysterically funny. But I think there's a bimbo element there that maybe is is part of this. But on the other hand, when you talk about all that we've endured so far, it's almost <laughs> like you, you just have to cut us a break and have us be a little inappropriate. It's like competence and career experience in all of these fields, all the different cabinet positions, what have you, yes. it has been thrown out the window. Yes. And it's not because she's his daughter, she's insinuated into these positions that she has no business being in. So, I mean, I think we do have a little right to be offended by it. Not only that, but there's Jared also. I mean, he's he's by her side. Right. And he's another one who has climbed to the top of Trump's staff. Right. And yet has no experience and has presented... Did you hear about what he presented as far as the, the Palestinian solution? To... No. I mean, I knew he was charged with that, but I didn't know he was doing anything positive. It, I don't know that it will be positive. Uh, yeah. he, he wants to funnel a lot, a lot of money and a lot of development into... Like a real estate maven would. Oh, okay. And he thinks that that is the way to get Palestinians out of poverty and I believe that he is also on board with the two-state solution. I'm not 100% positive about that. I may stand to be corrected. But in any case, he has had a summit with the leaders of all countries that were willing to participate to invest in development for the Palestinians. Mm. And it's it's ludicrous. I mean, right. the Palestinians wouldn't even go to the summit because their feeling is we're going to have a political solution before we get any kind of actual physical manifestation of what those right. policies are going to be. Yeah. So it was pathetic. And yet here they glide into situations that anyone with a good amount of humility or intelligence would fear, but they are fearless. It's true. And you know what, too? Remember when the the Trump administration, God, I can hardly spit out the words, but when the Trump administration started and Saturday Night Live did a joke commercial on her for her perfume called Complicit, and it talked about her being complicit. Yes. And she is. This is a criminal presidential administration. 
Yeah, straight out, straight oh, yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, there's just no... And shameless about it. Yeah. And so she is complicit in that. So I don't think... Yeah, I think we can maybe examine ourselves and say, are we are we veering towards a sexist view because we're we're trading on this bimbo idea? But she's traded on the bimbo idea. That's that's mm -hmm. part of her persona. True. She's worked that. Yes, and know. yet she presents herself as a working mother. And, and yeah, and that's why it's that's why it was so funny when she showed up pretending to converse with these women at the G twenty who who are brilliant, towering, yeah, towering intellects. Yeah. Yes. Christine Lagarde. Yeah. Yeah. And her expression was absolutely priceless. It was great. And it wasn't, I when I heard about that clip, I thought, oh, it must be really damning. They must have really given her the evil eye. But it wasn't. It was just just this kind of understated, what, what could she possibly be doing yes. there? <laughs> exactly. I can't, I can't even imagine this. As so if Tinkerbell had I'm just shown up. I'm not even going to comment yes. on it. Like something just happened. <laughs> like a shooting star went by. And I was like, just a distraction. It's like, what's that all about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, I, I think that they knew who she was. I don't oh, think that yeah. there was any question that this was the yeah. president of the United States' daughter. Right. So I think we're finally getting fed up with her. I think that we have gotten to the point where seeing her in North Korea actually looked so wrong that we've all yeah. kind of collectively vomited. Yeah. Anyway, I guess that's all there is to say about... Um, Old Ivanka. Well, I'm going to go look that up when we're done. Oh, it's it's, it's a screen. Unwanted Ivanka. Uh, hashtag Unwanted Ivanka. That sounds fun. Yes, you'll love it. I did want to talk about E. Jean Carroll because she seems to be the only one who has used the term rape with Trump. The other women have mentioned, there are many mentions actually, of Trump walking through the Miss America right. dressing rooms. I think there was a Miss Teen America where the contestants were as young as 15, he walked through there. There was a lot of him grabbing women and kissing them, grabbing women by their ass. One, he literally did grab one woman by her pussy. He, yeah. he reached his hand up her dress oh, yeah. and stuck his fingers inside of her. Oh, God. That's more than a grab. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. That's a... It's sexual assault. Yeah. So there are a number of things like that. There was one particular woman who had a piece in People. Her name is Natasha Stoinoff. And according to this, she said that Trump pushed her against a wall in 2005, kissed her, stuck his tongue in her mouth, and said, we're going to have an affair. Now, what's interesting is about her, Trump said something like, just look at her. This, this came up during the presidential race. And he said, just look at her. Oh, yeah. Basically saying, I wouldn't want to do her. Right. Can you blame me? I wouldn't want to do her. And his, his response to E. Jean Carroll was, she's not my type. Right. She's not even my type. She's not my type. And what I keep wondering is, how is it that this is the most specific and not documented, but she did tell two of her friends right after it happened, and they are positive witnesses for her saying, yes, mm -hmm. she talked to us, and we, and one of them said, I don't think you were molested, I think you were raped. That's what it sounds like to me. How we can have a president who skims past this stuff? It's something, I think it has to do with expectations about a character. Our political figures, I think at the presidential level, it reminds me of Michael Jackson. The reason it was so shocking with Michael Jackson, what he uh, was accused of doing, and apparently did do, it clashed so violently with 
the image of himself he had gone to great lengths to project yeah. of being sort of a boy child himself right. and, and an innocent. Yeah. And that's why it didn't go together. Where Trump, the character Trump that was put out in front of us was from the get-go off the charts inappropriate. So I think part of the reason we tolerate it is that it doesn't clash with our preconception of who he was. I think that's where people get in trouble, and I think that's part of the, I don't want to call it genius because he's just not that smart, but that's part of the dynamic, I think, of why we can clutch our pearls all we want to about his right. his uh, gross behavior yes. and illegal behavior at that, and criminal behavior criminal even behavior. at that. But as a culture, we're not moved to come together to censure it because it fits with the character we were given sort of from the start. He never presented himself as a Boy Scout. No, he didn't, but... It's weird, though, because he he would certainly point fingers at others, including the Clintons, you know, oh, whose behavior was... His wife said that he raped her. Right. And then that was in a deposition for their divorce. Right. And then later withdrew that. I think she had to withdraw it because of the terms of her non-disclosure agreement. Or the prenuptial... Oh, or that. that worked. Yeah. But I am floored. I, I worked for Leslie Moonves. Oh, right. And I never had any kind of issue with him that these women who have obviously had very bad things happen. Right. But he's no longer at CBS. Right. That's right. And he was the most powerful man in television. Yeah. And people would ask me, do you think Leslie's going to get away with it? Right. And, and I would say, if anybody could get away with it, he would. And I was frankly overjoyed and yet completely shocked when he had to step down. I just did not think the Me Too movement was right. going to take him down. Right, because the network and TV culture was already so strongly built on Yes. Um, sort of a sexist And CBS structure. was. Yeah. CBS was especially. Yeah. And in the newsroom was notorious right. for being a sexist place to work. Right. Kind of like, uh, not to the same degree, but like Fox was right. with Roger Ailes. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm still at a loss. You can kind of explain that we knew about these other women. We knew that they had stories to tell, and most of them told stories to the press before the election. And yet, here's someone who, this is post-election. This is post-Stormy Daniels. Right. And I guess one of the things that I think may, may be working against E. Jean, as she's known, is that it's an old story. I mean, it's 40 years old, right. I think. Right. She's in her 70s now. Right. This took place in 1990. Right. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's just too much time has gone by without her coming forward. And she said she didn't do that because she was afraid that she would be vilified. Yeah, I, I, it's troubling. I think part another part of it, I think, is that we've just been hit over the head with thing over thing over thing that would normally be so disqualifying and so cause for such outrage and outcry. But it's almost like we're saturated and there's nothing that can yeah. shock us anymore and we're kind of immobilized do you think though that the press is not doing enough to make it i mean how did you learn about it i'm curious um i watched msnbc and learned about it there but That's i saw it too i i read uh, my political website is politicalwire.com which is an excellent aggregator of political news and not yet a sponsor i highly recommend <laughs> it i'm a paying member actually so 
Uh, oh, wow. Because then you get some perks with that. You get to have like a trending news feed that's all about the, the political scene. Huh. Anyway, I, I saw it on there, I think, first. And what was your reaction when you saw it? I thought, oh, here's another one. I didn't think, oh, this is going to topple in the yeah. apple cart, you know. Yeah. I just thought, oh, here's another one. That's exactly what I thought. Oh, another one. And I'm a yeah. woman. I, I, I was surprised at my own reaction. It was yeah. just another accuser. I think we've been overloaded. I, we're like circuits that have been overloaded. With, we're just we've been robbed of it. our ability to respond. Yeah. Because we've been hit with thing after thing after thing. It's yeah. crazy. And I guess somehow we comes down to us. We have to find agency within ourselves and respond differently, maybe. We have to start looking at ways to do that. I'm curious. If this woman had come forward about Joe Biden and said that Joe Biden raped her, right? that would take him out of the race. Absolutely. In a second. And it could be from 50 years ago. Yeah. It yeah. wouldn't matter. Yeah. It would not matter. Yeah. Him, him touching women was almost enough to disqualify him. It must be that maybe part of the mindset is this kind of, I dare you. I dare you. Come yeah. on. Bring it on. Yeah. Bring on your worst thing about him, and you'll see we still back him up. I think you're right. I think but that I think he could kill somebody on Fifth Avenue. Like you said. So that's, that is some kind of psycho-brilliant Machiavellian marketing strategy, that they've set him up as this person who's untouchable on moral issues. And there's nothing left. All we have left now are the tax forms. You know, and he's going to such great lengths to hide those that I think maybe that's the one place where there could be news that will actually shock people. But it won't be about groping and it won't be about gross personal behavior. It'll be about something yeah, It'll be about deeper. Russia, I imagine. It'll be about, it'll show his weak. I think that's the thing, maybe. If news comes out that shows his weakness yeah. really starkly, yeah. and if it shows him as a tool of Russian interests then it's really clear the money path is very visible and very traceable and very obvious. Because that, when I go back to the character he's built, he's all about bluster and it's a, I think some people interpret his action and his behavior and his persona as one of strength. They see him as standing up right. to the norms. Right. You know. Yes, that he's, he's, he is untouchable. So where That's what they like about him. Right, and they see strength in it. The better critics I, that I hear, they talk about the weakness that he's showing. And he does show it, like the way he responded with Putin in Helsinki and the way he is with Kim Jong-un in Korea. He's weak. He doesn't stand up But why don't his America. fans respond to that negatively? I, I mean, don't know. I thought it, was I thought it looked weak, in quotes, mm -hmm. when he stopped the bombing of Iran. All right. Well, let's stay on topic. Okay. For now. Yes, let's do that. I guess that is, yeah, someone who just rapes and pillages and takes what they want and screw the other guy. Maybe that's what his base is really entranced with. His immunity to public outrage yes. is yes. celebrated by his supporters. Yes. Well, this goes back to what I believe is the appeal that he has for his supporters, which is they are disillusioned with American institutions and wanted him to go in like a bull in a china shop and take everything down. Right. And they see that he's doing that. He cares not about anyone, and they don't see that he also doesn't care about his base, about them. Yeah. except that he wants them to vote for him. But there's nothing else that is going on that is creating loyalty mm -hmm. other than the fact that he appointed the judges that they wanted right. and that he's decimating the institutions that the country has been built on. Maybe that's it. Maybe these are people who are so disenchanted with the status quo and with the country as it is and the power structure that they want to 
do a big fuck you to the country yeah. and they see him doing it as their representative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's going back to the people who voted for Obama mm -hmm. and then voted for Trump. I think that the hope and change thing was really about wanting to change those institutions, wanting to go in and he didn't do that. Obama did not do that, but Trump is doing it. He's changing things. I almost feel like just change for change's sake, change for change's sake, but change that is creating a form of chaos. I mean, mm -hmm. it doesn't take a genius to see that the White House is just a chaotic mess. Right. And that that's the way Trump operates. He right. likes chaos. That's it. What's so interesting is for some, for a, a slice of the population, it's not just tolerating the chaos, it's actually reveling in it. Yes. It's actually seeing it as a win. Yes. Right. Um, because then those institutions aren't working. Right. And yet the institutions that are necessary are also being destroyed. I mean, mm -hmm. necessary for his base, right. people who support him. It's so easy to be... Um, dismissive? Uh, yeah, dismissive and a little condescending, in my view, towards people who... Are low-information voters? Yeah, and would, would, would have such a, a frankly, ignorant um, stance as to say, keep the government out of my Social yes. Security. Yeah. Um, but maybe we do that at our own risk. We have to... We have to take the higher ground somehow and, and find a way to fight this that's effective, where it's not just us shrugging our shoulders and rolling our eyes and listening to my yeah. beloved Stephanie Miller in the morning, feel all the outrage and express all the outrage and indignation that I feel. Yes, and yes. Something bigger has to happen. I don't know what the answer is. Well, what's or interesting is, is I think that Trump is the bigger thing that happened. I think he is the change agent. Right. That so many people were looking for. I think we'll see if 2018 and the elections that happened there that were overwhelmingly democratic, that felt like a blue wave. Yeah. And we'll see if we have a gigantic turnout, we'll probably do pretty well. But the other thing is that we have to take back the presidency and the Senate. It's not yeah. gonna work if we just have the president. Right. <laughs> it would Status almost be quo. better to have the Senate yeah. and not have the president. Right. Because then none of his policies could get through. That's right. Except there are those executive orders that yeah. are very troublesome. But anyway, I hear what you're saying mm -hmm. about becoming inured to his grossest, mm -hmm. most vile and immoral behavior. Mm -hmm. I do at times feel hopeless and helpless. But then, honestly, I remember that we had a blue wave. Yep. Realizing on the cake was the fact that it worked so well. Um, right. I'm talking about going down to Orange County and talking to people in um, in districts, congressional districts, that Hillary had won, although they were traditionally Republican districts. Right. And um, we got four different congresspeople in there who are liberal Democrats. Mm -hmm. And we'll see if they, they have until 2020 to prove themselves and then they're up again. I mean, it's right. crazy. Right. Con congressional races happen every two years. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's going to wrap it up. Yeah. Well, thank you, Boomers, for joining us, and we will see you again real soon. I hear that outro music There it up. is. I love that oh song. My God. I have to go make a margarita. Okay. Make one for me. <laughs> okay. Bye, Boomers. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thank you.